Artcast, your weekly podcast for insight into the articles to read, decks to play at FNM, cards to buy and sell, and insight from Robert Martin and Channel Fireball's own Tristan Sean Gregson. It's time for Hardcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's Hardcast. I am your host, Tristan Sean Gregson, as always here with my diligent and... Uh, Hardworking co-host Robert Martin. How are you doing tonight, Robert? Doing great. It's fun time of year with Corset being released. Uh, I'm glad you still have that enthusiasm. Uh, I think that's uh, a great way to segue into a uh, first topic of you know Magic 2012. Do you do you think it's it's living up to the expectations of recent previous Corsets? Um, you know, being obviously a, a seasoned Magic player at this point, do you think it's it's still new enough, exciting enough, different enough to captivate you for the at least a few months to come while we wait for the fall set. Absolutely. I think it's a lot of fun. It provides a challenge, especially with Seal. Good, good. I mean, uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, the set is probably the worst we've seen in a good long while. Um, you know, like in, in modern comparison, it would be hard to match it up to something because of the reprints. But um, there isn't a lot of money in this set. It's really not the best set for your dollar. But I think, you know, that's that's not where where Wizards is really coming from with it, so I'm not really going I'm not really going to damn them for, for that kind of work. Um, you know, as a player and as someone that really looks into the health of the game, I think that I would weigh it in its playability and its marketability. And I think in in those two aspects it's uh, a home run. I mean, you know, with the with the duel of the planeswalkers, uh, cross marketing, with the you know, definitely packing it on thick with the planeswalker themes, but mixing it up. Uh, and providing us new new characters, new faces, uh, and then, and then obviously the, um, the the difference in limited play, which I which I spoke at at length in different arenas. You know, Magic TV, I talked to Luis about it, and it was really like you know how is M10 going to be different than M11? How's it going to be different from M12? Um, is it going to not feel like you're drafting? You know, if you, if you drafted seventh edition, eighth edition, ninth edition, or even tenth edition, it, it was it felt very similar. It felt very dry. It felt very um, stagnant. So to find a, um, a competitive limited format for both seal deck and draft to keep it lively, to keep it interesting, uh, I think that's really the most important things you can do from from the game creation side, and I think that's been great. And for me, it's, it's a very interesting experience because, again, it is very polarized. You know, being in the financial side, being in the secondary market, and looking at this set financially, it's like, oh, this is such a loser. I mean, half the mythics are reprints we've already seen before. You know, there are very few you know, exciting rares, like where are our Fauna Shamans, where are these cards that we've had in previous years. Um, so, th- so that's a bit of a letdown, but uh, you know, roll with the punches on it. But for people that play F&Ms and people that do releases, it's not always fun because it's about putting together the deck that works best. That really leads into, I mean, do you think that you're, you know, I, mean, I don't know how much standard you were playing pre-banning and, and you know, kind of pre M12, but do you think you're uh, you're more excited to play standard right now than you were in the recent past? Red deck wins is so powerful. Play as quickly as you can. Funny. Are you are you the long the long lunch break kind of guy? Is that really what you're looking for in your in your magic experiences? How how fast can you make your aggro deck? It's fun when you have that perfect combination of cards before the bannings. This is Stoneforge Mystic. That's the game. I prefer where there's a little more challenge to it. Well, I, I think that it's um, a great time to be playing standard. There, there's so much room, not not only by taking away um, those two cards that kind of made the format stagnant, but also added what you know. To me, what I've been saying is it doesn't feel like we've just added one new set. It feels like we've added 
two or three new sets. Because ever since it was made apparent from Paris, the interaction between Stoneforge Mystic and Sword of Feast and Famine, or you know, it, what eventually became the the whole seemingly uh, armory of swords in conjunction with uh, you know Jason Mind Sculpture of Shenanigans that we really didn't really get to play with. Definitely, you know, one set including Magic Twenty Twelve, most likely two sets including New Phyrexia, and in many ways not even Mirrored and Besieged since there was that that Stoneforge interaction that was so apparent ahead of time. So it almost feels like a completely new format that's very, very deep um, for people to start really making decks out of. And and the the fun thing to me is that means that, you know, starting at an F&M level, you can pretty much brew anything you want. And it's, you know, no one's going to be like, well, you can't even beat the best deck of the format. So, you know, what are you doing? I, I, I guess there are people who still say, go out there and immediately say that's going to be Valakut. But I, I, am not, I am not one of those people. Valakut is interesting. It's fun to be able to have it back, but there are still plenty of answers in reality. There's always there's, there's balls just to throw at it. There's there's plenty of new. You know, it's a great time for birthing pod. It's it's a great time for worm coil engine. It's a great time for you know all, all these cards that have been kind of sitting on the sideline for so long, wishing they could see some action. Birthing pod, it's getting popular right now, at least out of the people I know that have been playing it. It would be something I would. Uh, all right, all right. So then, uh, do you get to play Friday Night Magic very much these days? Yeah, and our Friday Night Magic is draft, which is good for me. I really enjoy draft. Our draft numbers are pretty consistent. Uh, I think I think it's, it's key to point out that we are we are recording this, you know, the day before the first M12 F and M. So, you know, if you if you yourself head up at your local store the next you know day or week or so, we'll we'll, we'll really get to see what the impact. F and M has always been fun for me. I really enjoy how it goes with drafting. Well, does the store you play at always draft for Friday Night Magic? Yes, and they do standard on Saturday. Very, uh, you know, like I wouldn't say strong draft community, but but people are, you know, they're if given the option, there would be the choice of uh, more people would choose draft over constructed. Yes, pretty safe to say. Pretty safe to say that our area loves to draft. But uh, you know, where do you fall in that? Are you are? Do you wish that uh, you guys had standard FMs? Do you really wish you could use all those cards you drafted, or are you just you have the limited bug and and there's nothing more exciting than playing a new forty card deck every week and getting some more use out of those hill giants and stuff like that? I admit I am one of the people that enjoy playing the forty card decks. Okay, okay, because you know the the, the stores locally where I'm at that. Um, you know, that I'm very accustomed to and makes sense to me. You, you play constructed the majority of the year, and then for kind of the four weeks, the you know, the month surrounding when the new set is released, you kind of switch over to limited. Um, you know, you kind of start to use an excuse to open packs the most recent set to kind of uh, grow that collection. But uh, I'm more used to a, a constructed FNM format, so I'm, I'm wondering, uh, you know, for people out there, what's not only what are they most interested in, but what your your FNM is popular for, and if they ever switch formats. Um, it's, it's one of those questions with the, the WPN network. You know, they want player feedback about what the, the best way to do things is, and you know, that's why you you might see you know polls or not, where it's like, well, do you wish Block was a format? Do you wish Extended was a format? At Friday Magic, and you know, it, it's funny that the, to me the drafters are the people that are the most like, don't don't change anything about Friday Magic. I love, I love exactly what it is, and to me it's like, don't you ever want to you know get out there and kind of exercise all those cards you've collected over all these. Months and months and months of drafting a particular set. I love to draft, and the only reason why I really love to draft is the fact of seeing the pros draft. Oh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's start. You know, let's let's uh, segue right over into uh, formats that Wizards isn't necessarily 
you know, sponsoring or sanctioning or acknowledging at all right now, but something that seems like you've been following a lot, and that's um, what, to me, from from the, the Twitterverse that I know of, seems like Gavin Verhey's child, but that's uh, the overextended. What's that all about? Overextended is it offers more cards, more options in the format as far as decks to play and decks to build, and I really believe that this could be the replacement for double standard. Or It seems like the amount of people that are doing this online is expanding. Now, have you participated in, a, in an overextended tournament yourself yet? I've wanted to, and the only reason why I haven't is the time element. It falls on the day I, I do Metamagic. Now, and, and that's we're talking about an, an online tournament, or are we talking about a, a storefront tournament? It's online. But, you know, just, I mean, you've obviously been following quite a bit. You know, I actually know a couple people that are, are active in that community as well. Um, it, to me, it blows my mind that something that's so grassroots community is, is um, you know, I, I would almost say, like, treated so well uh, and, like, you know, like, you know it's, not, it's not just a joke. You don't get people, like, joining the, the quote-unquote fake over, you know, extended queue with their... Uh, their vintage online deck or whatever, and the people are very respectful, and they're actually, you know, working very hard to make this format real. And, and again, I and Gavin is, um, he's doing so much to promote it, promoting deck lists, deck ideas, card interactions, uh, you know, recaps of events, promoting events, uh, and it, it's already, you know, I, I, I'm not playing it, I don't, you know, I don't talk every day with the people that I know that do play it, but it seems like you know there's there's there seems like there's decks starting to form there's a there's a metagame starting to form there are ideas people are getting excited about it and and more to me it's it's something that's again completely community driven and not at all kind of I wouldn't say forced but presented to you by wizards I, I think when I think of you know formats where there are times that people play less magic and they're not going to tournaments I, I think of times that formats are stagnant or, or not interesting or not innovative or don't live a lot of room to be um, explored, and, and this is almost the complete opposite of that. And to me, it, it's it's a question of, you know, what is it really going to take for Wizards of the Coast to acknowledge this? I mean, how many how many more people have to really get on the bad wagon? How much more do you really have to promote? Do you have to say, how many more tournaments do you have to run just in a casual room where Wizards isn't getting any of those most coveted tickets being drained out of the system and back into their pocketbooks? Um you know, when's it when's it going to happen, and, and how's it going to happen for us? And that's really my question. But it was again, like I, I don't play it. I, I barely interact with it very much, but I, but I know it's popular. I know people are interested in it, and, and it seems like the same for you. You haven't had a chance to play yourself, but you're following it. They decide to drop the double standard extended and turn it into overextended. How is this going to be treated by a distributor of cards? Pricing of cards? Well, I mean, uh, it's a great opportunity to point out that. You know, as somebody that prices cards, I don't feel like we treat the market one way or another. I, I um, to us, it's it's so much supply and demand, and right now there's just a demand for a lot of these cards in the would-be overextended format that it is driving up price. Um, you know, Ravnica block dual lands are the best example in my mind of a card that had a home, it had a great home in, in what was formerly the extended format. Everyone loved having them, you know, as you had your player set or whatever you needed to have for the decks that you would play. Uh, this kind of bombshell got dropped on a community of players that owned the cards surrounding that, you know, in, including those lands. Um, you know, they lost a lot of value with the change of extended. And for 
what seems like a long time, although it really in the grand scheme of magic hasn't been, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of value in those cards because there wasn't a home for them. And now, you know, again, people are creating this, this environment for it. They're, they're nurturing it. They're, they're adding to it as much as they can. And, and those cards are finding their value. Uh, you know, we will consistently sell out of Ravnica Block Dual Lands and have to buy, you know, we're, all of a sudden we're paying more money just to have them on the website just so we can sell them again, and, and, the, and the price is going up right there. So I think that for us, unless Wizards kind of makes, you know, a big announcement with a full ban list saying, you know, like, this is the structure of this new format and this is what we're going to do with it, it's going to be a much more slow-moving process in the secondary market. It's going to be one of those things where all of a sudden you're going to see 40 persons, 60 person, 80 people in uh, overextended tournaments, and that might slowly flush out a metagame, and that might make more storefronts want to run these tournaments on their weekends or at special events, and that's going to drive up demand. And we're going to start slowly selling this stuff and moving it. I, I, I think a lot like Commander is, is a good way to look at the, the market for that stuff. I don't think that there's ever a time where we're trying to set the price of a, of a card in the marketplace in any kind of format, and uh, Commander is a, is a great example of it just happened organically and over time. And I think that overextended without a big kind of, you know, flag in the ground saying, you know, this is it, here it is, is going gonna, is gonna to be that way. Since we don't have an actual pricing structure for it, should people be watching the results of overextended to see what to hold on to as far as cards in this format? Um, yeah, in a way. I mean, I, I think that you're... I think that you're extremely speculative if you're somebody that is following these tournament results and trying to scoop up cards in the marketplace now that are going to be, you know, very good in this in this format. I'm trying. I can't think of a very good example off the top of my head. It's it's, so it's like invasion forward. So, you know, if all if all of a sudden there was a solitary confinement deck that was just really good. And you just start scooping up solitary confinements just solely based on overextended tournament results. I would say you're a little hasty. I would say maybe hold off on that one way a little bit. Uh, thankfully, a lot of the cards that are good in that format are just good magic cards. So, you know, there's more incentive to own them. There's more incentive to have a deep, you know, kind of extended vintage catalog of cards because hopefully you're going to get another outlet to play with them. It's not one of those situations where, you know, oh, all of a sudden Extend is just standard twice over. Well, I'm going to dump all my old stuff that I've had for four or five years because, you know, I don't play any of this, you know, legacy era type thing. And nothing like that is going to happen again. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think that, I think that's the place where we're at with this format. I still think it's very much in its infancy. I think the people who should be following the results are people that are interested in competitive magic formats, that are interested in playing more magic. And, um, just, you know, want to be involved in it. I, I, I think that, you know, when, when I try to find deck lists for this format and I try to find tournament results for this format, it's not based on financial interest. It's based on, you know, I wonder how healthy this is and how viable different decks are and how that's going to make people excited about it. They also have bannings in that generated by the player community versus Wizards of the Coast. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I don't think it's necessarily good or bad. I think that it's a great example of something you wouldn't be able to create otherwise that you should really kind of look at. You know, if you think about all the times that the community, quote-unquote, and I say like it's this big mass walking around doing stuff, but if you think about how the community re reacts to any particular card in a format, and, you know, there's, a, there's an outcry for a banning, that kind of thing, and 
if you really think about it, in, in, in this arena, they can kind of have that. You know, if it's like, if, if we saw Jace was, you know, too good six months ago, and the, pe- the people would have banned it, and Wizards didn't do it, and look what it did to, to Magic. Uh, and to me, it's a question of, well, you know, does the community really know best? I mean, could they make a, a balanced format all on their own without the help of Wizards of the Coast? And then, you know, eventually when Wizards decides to pick this up, you know, they, do they just port it and be like, oh, you know, you did a great job, you know. Is that better for a, um, a Magic format? Is that worse for a format to kind of just, you know, who's making these decisions? Is it too hasty to be like, oh, Hypergenesis has to go, uh, you know, we have to ban it today. And, you know, it, it had, you know, two tournaments in a row where it took first place out of 60 people. So to, to me, it's it's a very interesting um exercise in looking at, you know, similarities and differences in, in how it's handled, and that, you know, ports over to the magic that we all play and know as, you know, is it right to ban things when they get banned, and, and how should things be treated? Um, and, you know, it goes back to, you know, Jason Stoneforge, it's, it's good timing to have that discussion, because in my mind, I think we could have, you know, rode the wave on Jason Mind Sculptor. Uh, you know, obviously, Stoneforge Mystic was making things unfair, but, you know, Jace, we could, we could have just lasted it out. I mean, we, in my mind, we could have lasted out with both of them. It wasn't like they are going to be around for that long. They were in the, the older block in Standard. Um, you know, we could have just started things fresh and new in the fall again and not have to put that kind of, you know, stamp on the permanent record of research and development saying, oh, damn it, we did this. You know, like, trying to keep that record unblemished. Um, but obviously it's been healthy for the game. It was the right decision, and, you know, could have been better for the game and a better decision if it was done sooner? I think that's another question you have to ask. So uh, uh, really thinking about a, a community-driven band list versus when WotC has the power. What, what, what's really better? How is it going to be different? Um, you know, or is, do things get banned all willy-nilly? Does that really happen? Uh, so stuff to think about. Q question of the week, which is something you debated on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Jace Memory Adept, when I first looked at him, I was very much not impressed. And I thought, you know, well, you know, everyone was kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, whatever incarnation Jace is, it's not going to be, you know, the Jace we, we currently love. And I looked at this card, and I was like, well, in many ways, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I, I felt like I was looking at the blue embodiment of Liliana Vess. I'm looking at a card that has zero interaction with the board. I'm looking at a card that... His ultimate is, you know, mostly at that point, does it really matter? Now, obviously, when I talk about cube format, you're talking about a 40-card format, so things are very different. Um, so I, I wasn't too excited. You know, tapping out as a blue mage for five mana to seemingly do nothing to the board is not very good. And I wouldn't say I've had to be talked off a ledge about this card, but there's been a great debate with a lot of people I've known about whether or not it should be included in their cubes. And I'm, I'm surprised that the resounding yes that I've heard from the community where, you know, people are defending it. They're saying it's so good, you know, in a 40-card format, taking 10 cards off your opponents, you know, traumatizing them more or less with all upside is has got to be great. And uh, to me, it's it's uh, it's still, you know, I'm still on the fence about this. I haven't really, I haven't put it in the box yet. Um, I, I kind of want to be certain in my decisions before I, before I tell people, especially that I know that try to, you know, uh, copy my list, you know, whether they should in, invest in a foil copy or even just buy a regular copy of this card to put in their, in their cubes. And so it's it's still, I'm still I'm still kind of out there. And it's not at all ironic that Liliana Vess is one of the few Planeswalkers I don't include in my cube because it, it I, don't, I, I don't feel like it has enough impact. My question is this, if you do put it in the cube, do you not think if that comes up in someone's pack, that'll be their first pick? It's hard to say. I mean, you know, just trying to think about, you know, if I was to put it in, what card would I cut for it? 
and I kind of like joked with myself. I was like, oh, well, Chase Engineering can come out for this card. But I was like, but I had to stop myself and say, like, well, they function so differently. They do such different things. I mean, the Blue Mage is the thing that never wants to tap out. The Blue Mage is the player that, you know, you want card advantage, and you're going to get it, you know, when your opponent has done something innocuous or, you know, you know one, like it doesn't actually matter. And it's, it's hard to just kind of tap five, play a card, and just be like, all right, well, this is going to happen now. Like, there's so many cards that Blue could cast on an empty board that it's like, that's great, that's fine, whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I just I don't know. I don't, I, I think, I could think of a, a laundry list of cards I would take over it, but I could definitely think of cards that I would take this over. So again, it's, it's, it's not very clear one way or the other. We have an FNM deck this week, and we had talked previously about the fact that Mono Black Control may or may not have a home and this was a top eight at Chinese Nationals, a mono-black deck that sure fits the description of what a mono-black deck would be. Um, if Bai is full of black mana symbols, then I think you've hit the nail right on the head. Uh, if you were to say it was a mono-black control deck, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I think I'm currently staring down a list that has 17 creatures in it, and some of those definitely cost one, maybe two, maybe three mana. But I wouldn't necessarily say this was kind of an MBA list, either. Um, although, surprisingly, you know, you're looking at all the spells that are in it. They're all very early spells, minus, like, the Singleton Liliana Vess. Um, so you're, you're, you know, one Grave Titan, one Worm Coil Engine at the top end with Liliana Vess, it definitely looks like you have a much more aggressive black deck. This is much more, much more mono black aggro kind of style. Um, you know, like a Vault Scourge, Vampire Nighthawk, Gatekeeper of Malakir, a Phyrexian Obliterator, back it up with the Lash Rife, while the whole time, you know, using your disruption in the form of one mana hand disruption spells and a combination of dismember and go for the throat. Seems like Seems like a very viable strategy. I mean, uh, you know, Last Rite is a bonus guy on top of itself. You're getting it on a Vault Scourge, which has Evasion and Lifelink, goes a very long way. Getting it on a Nighthawk, very similar circumstance. I think you definitely have some reach in this list. I just don't think I would call it Mono Black Control. I think I would, I think I would call it maybe a little bit of Mono Black Midrange. Interesting. Especially when you go, you know, you go over the sideboard, you got a couple of member sides, a couple of skin renders, a couple more. Hex Parasite? Couple Hex Parasite or a Hex Parasite. Um, you know, I'm going to give this, this list uh, kudos for the fact that it has quite the versatility. I mean, I'm a mono black fan. Control, aggro, suicide, combo, whatever it's going to be. Uh, you know, I, I could take this list to FNM. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't mind taking this list to FNM. But, um, yeah, definitely worth looking at. I, I would just uh, my only my only peeve here wouldn't label mono black control. So it's the hybrid. Yeah, it's got a little bit of mono black mid range. It's a closer to an NBA deck. Um, it's kind of sad in this day and age. Mono black aggro has a bunch of cards that cost four in it, but it is what it is. What can you say? Five up and five down. We have some non surprising cards here, but we also have some that just a couple weeks ago were going up and now they're going down again. Well, I gotta mix it up as much as I can. I've gotta give you, bring you the news that's seemingly the most obvious, and I've also gotta bring you uh, the stuff that you may not think about on the surface. But uh, where where would we like to start today, Robert? Why don't we go down? Grave Titan. 
he is not the Titan he once was, which is so sad and is a surprise to me right now because Blue Black, or you know, even you know, we just mentioned a deck list that has him in it, but Blue Black Control is kind of the de facto you know control deck coming back from you know if you if you think of Worlds as kind of the last time that there was a format that was well defined in the current environment. If you think about the tools you have access to right now, it seems like Grave Titan would still be seeing some action. Um, it, it's it's kind of a bit of a shock to me, actually, how far this guy has fallen. You know, with all the other Titans going down, you know, making sense to me, people are you know, running for the hills on their Primeval Titans because it's like, oh, I can only play Valakut for so much longer, I just want to dump these things. Um, you know, Sun Titan already being a promo from last year, being printed again, yada, 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 all the other talk. Um, but Grave, I'm most surprised about going down. You know, it, it could bounce back and have some more value um, Nationals era, but, you know, long run, I don't, I don't, I'm a little confused by this one. It's just the way it is right now. Pick them up on the cheap, maybe. I, I like this card. As we've seen in Blue Black Control and other variants, including the FM deck that we just went over right now, has been a one of or two of in every deck. I definitely would like to pick them up on the cheap myself. The next one going down, which was, I believe, the last two weeks going up, is Karn. Yeah, that guy is also surprising me. I think that um, people might be a little afraid of the fact that they haven't just immediately seen results with this card, which is a little bit confusing to me. I mean, just kind of talk around the office about viable deck lists, viable decks that are coming back. It was like there was a lot of talk about Eldrazi Green, and, you know, that deck kind of suffered from not necessarily having that much reach. And here's a card that you know, I wasn't even necessarily part of the conversation, and I think that was a crime against it. Uh, it, it fits in so well. It answers everything. It can technically go in any deck. I mean, I definitely have some sweet casual room brews online of Mono Black Control where I DT for this guy and then cast it, and then it's fun, if nothing else. And to me, I, I think uh, it's confusing. And this is another one of those cards that you should probably pick up on the cheap. You know, it's currently sitting at $14.99 on shellfireball.com, and I think that's a bit of a crime. Then we have the one that you said was not going to be effective, and that's Chandra. Oh, I don't understand how this card has any value. <laughs> it just, it seems, in any arena, in any opportunity, I will talk about how bad I think this card is. Um, why it was carrying a $40 price tag during pre-release, pre-sales. Why it's carrying a $35 price tag right now. You know, hopefully this information is already horribly dated. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, this card is, is worth what I feel it should be worth. Because I, I just, I, I don't, I just don't get it with this card. I mean, yes, forking a time walk could be good. Maybe off a planeswalker, I don't know. Like this, I mean, what, 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 is, what again? Like, what is your, what is your ultimate play with this card? I just don't get it. Um, but I, I, that, that's not what this segment is about. Uh, this is my, this is a half personal choice. Saying this card has has got to come down in value. Um, I mean, that that could be the case. I really think you could replace Chandra with either the either of the other two Planeswalkers of the of the new three out of five cycle. However, I think the other two have more stability in their initial value, as where this card doesn't, shouldn't. You know, let's just move on with our lives. So, you know, trade them high. That's that's what I'm. That's what I've been doing every time. You know, like I went to, you know, I talked to pre- people. I went to. I knew they went to a pre-release last weekend and. So definitely, you know, whoever's willing to trade for that card, anyone who's willing to buy that card, sell it. We also have a, what you would seem to be a staple card, Soul Ring. 
you know, Commander, the decks have been an interesting thing. Uh, print runs, you know, obviously the initial print run of the product was not enough to meet demand. Second print run of the product has been a lot closer to meeting the demand, although the demand is still very high. Uh, and Soaring is kind of caught in the middle because every single deck has one. Um, you know, the, the other cards that have been kind of going up in value of Commander are the one in five decks kind of situation. Soul Ring, obviously an excellent card, obviously an EH staple, cube staple, etc., etc. Uh, I think the problem here is you're talking about a card that was uncommon in Revised, uh, Revised being the set of magic that was printed the most by far. And then on top of that, you now have such a, a wide dual deck printing that now has, you know, eight in every single one. So you've watched it, you know, come, you know, Soaring's six months ago, really like, you know, $15, $18. It was getting to the point where they could have become $20 bills. And now you put so many more out there. This card is currently saying like six bucks. And if they keep printing Commander like they plan to print it, it'll, it will not be worth anything. And last but not least, Great Card Unlimited doesn't seem like it's having any effect anymore in standard Gideon Jura. Still first pick him. You still win pretty much any game where you're playing him in M12 or your opponent doesn't have O-Ring or something. Um, is he just He's just suffering from everything going bad. You know, White goes from the best color in standard to probably the worst color in standard overnight. Uh, you're, you're talking about a, a card that was in control decks, you know, like you wanted mirror matches, you wanted to get that bad aggro decks, and... Now, the format's undefined, and on top of that, you know, it's one of the mythics in the new set, so there's going to be a bunch more out there. Um, poor Gideon Jura. Your, your time has come and in some ways passed, and I don't know if it will ever come again, but as far as value goes, it's going to take a lot for you to bring you back. Five up is the first card on there, and that's Birthing Pod. Birthing Pod, in many ways, had a lot of room to grow. I can't believe how car fell, how far this card fell before it actually found some value. I thought for sure it was going to be, uh, you know, kind of an, at least an awkward Fauna Shaman replacement for a lot of players. But it was dipping down to like the dollar a piece range there before it finally got salvaged from the, the you know, the dime rare bin. Uh, you know, this, this card is obviously can be very powerful. It, it has build me written all over it. It doesn't necessarily a green card. Um, it, it, it's it's got fun written on it. It's got possibly competitive to very competitive written on it. Now is in many ways the time for this card. If you're looking to play F and M right now, if you're looking to play a PGQ in the next week or so, you, you know th- there's gonna be there's gonna be some birthing pod decks out there. They're gonna do cool stuff. Um, you know, get your blade splicers, go all the way up to Elish and Orn, whatever whatever cool stuff you want to do. Do it, have fun, and this card is is going up in value because of it. Two love in almost every deck, dismember. Yeah, it's funny. We joked when Besiege came out. It was like, ah, we have the new path to exile. We have go for the throat finally. And uh, yeah, not so much. We didn't realize that it was going to come a few short months later when we got dismember. Dismember is ah. Now we have Path to Exile. Now I can kill almost anything, any color. We can all do it. Um, you know, the Pro Tour was a great example of how strong this card is going to be. Every forum in which Luis talks about this card is an example of how good it's going to be. Talking about how how can you even start a deck list where you don't include this card right now? You know, we sell out a dollar fifty, we sell out a two dollars, we sell out a two fifty, et cetera, et cetera. 
This room, this card has room, and as we're Path to Exile has room to grow and become expensive. You know, pick up your playset for under $20 now, and I, like, it, it feels weird to say it, but it's a reality. This card is going to be very good and playable and played while the entire time it's in standard, and uh, it's going to reflect in its value. And, you know, we're switching draft formats much sooner than we usually are. And, like, New Phyrexia, the window to really, like, have it opened a lot is going to be smaller than other sets. So this uncommon is going to be treated more like a rare from a different era. Another card that's very, very popular in the blue decks, Concentrated Sphinx. Does not die to dismember, which is pretty key here. Um, you know, it's with a with a Jace-less world, six casting cost creatures that do amazing things get new birth. Uh, and Consecrated Sphinx is one of the first ones to consider. And more often than not, you're going to get to at least draw two cards with this card. And more often than not, when you draw more than two cards with this card, you get to just win any game it's involved in. So... Get ready for the headache of dueling Consecrated Sphinxes in your immediate to near future. And, uh, yeah, it's mythic. It's obviously got a lot of room to grow in value. We've already watched it do that in recent past. It was, you know, I was advocating it was good and it should be picked up back. It was like $4. It's currently sitting at 10 and I think in a blink of an eye it could be 12 15 We also have Scavenging Ooze. You know, to, to dip a little bit back into those commander decks, uh, the cards that have value and are popular and are strong are still all those things. Even with the second wave being out there, even with there being a lot more decks in print, uh, we kind of had a bit of a dip in the value and what we thought were like the, you know, expensive cards in this box set, but obviously people playing other formats are picking this card up in, in, in addition to people that play Commander. Uh, you know, Edric, um, Chaos Warp, you know, there's a short list, like when I think about it, I, I'm usually thinking about Cube, but you know, like, cube cards, possibly legacy cards, you know, they're, they're out there and they're hidden gems in these boxes, and Scavenging Ooze has been a, a fun one to watch, where it's like, it starts at $5, goes all the way up to $10, now we're, I think we're sold out on the website right now for like 13 or 14 bucks. you know, where, where does the madness end on this kind of thing? But there's definitely a, a short list of cards from, from Commander that, uh, that have a lot of value and are good cards, and this is definitely one of them. Last but not least... The Luis special, and that would be Visions of Beyond. Mainly, people are putting a lot of um, a lot of weight and what they feel is a plant for the fall set. Maybe they're going on what limited information they have about Innistrad, but everyone is convinced themselves that it's going to be you know everyone's going to have fat graveyards in the next year or two playing Magic, and they don't want to leave behind the opportunity to pick up Ancestral Recalls. You know, this card started like three dollars during pre-sales. It's currently up to seven fifty, so it's more than doubled, um, which is a bit of a surprise to me. I, I, I don't, you know, the ceiling on rares in a base set. I mean, I don't know. I mean, picture like you know, is this card's got to be better than Fauna Shaman if it's going to eclipse the eight dollar value? It's got to be played more than it. It's, it, it has a lot, a lot of conditional. Statements that have to go right for it in order for it to not only keep the value that it's at, but to have any have any chance of going beyond it. Um, I think I'm I think I'm a seller at the price that it's at. I'm pretty sure any of these that I'm opening in the immediate future, I, I'm going to take the gamble and be like, you know, even if we have the fattest graveyards we've ever had before, I'm still going to be playing other Magic cards or doing other things and worrying about Visions of the Beyond right now. But it's it's definitely up. 
Well, that's it for our five up and five down. What else is out there that you'd like to talk about this week? Uh, I just had, you know, my, my head in a box of cards. You know, it's pre-release, release week. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of stuff for me to just work on. Breaking down cards, sorting cards, shipping out all those orders that we get. And it's a very busy time for us. We're also starting the preliminary uh, stages of getting ready to go out to Gen Con in Indy for anyone that will be out there. Check out the Channel Fireball booth. Uh, I, I hear we're near a concession stand, so that, that'll probably be near some gamers in a, in a gaming convention, so you'll probably be able to find us there. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it right now. Just uh, It's all M12 all the time. Just can't wait for it to get online so you get drafted. The fact that the reason why we weren't on last week was because I did my interview with Luis, which was a lot of fun and quite interesting, and if you haven't listened to it, it's on mtgcast.com. So Ma- Men of Magic episode... Because I go by episode number for that show. 51. 51. There are 51 interesting people to talk about magic with that can talk about magic. We still haven't gotten to you. Yeah. Tom's hopefully next week. Uh, I will. I will. Well, while I while I go back and memorize exactly what all the uncommons are from Magic 2012. Uh, yeah, it's, it feels like a short week this week, but I just I feel like I'm doing nothing but uh, breaking down cards from the new set and... Um, handling those kind of issues. You know, Luis's uh, full set review going up on the site this week. We had some pretty good Magic TV episodes as well, including uh, kind of a, a stress reliever one where we did some more funny top eight lists after our long slew of uh, viewer submissions. So definitely head over to either the YouTube page or the main site to check out that stuff in the immediate future. Uh, and until then, you can send your interesting information or questions about our appearance at Gen Con in the near future, because I'm sure you want to sell your giant collection to us there at you, tsg at channelfireball.com or any other queries you have. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, desperately trying to get to 1,000 followers by the time the U.S. Nationals rolls around, uh, at Tristan Gregson on Twitter. And, Robert, what would you like to tell the folks out there how they can get a hold of you? Uh, Robert at channelfireball.com. And I'm available on Twitter as TheBeamy, T-H-E-B-E-M-E. And otherwise, outside of that, it's been another great week. Looking forward to having more exciting deck lists next week for the show. Yeah, I mean, it feels like we're just kind of the, the quick news stories of the week. Again, if I wasn't working so hard, I'd love to sit here and chat longer. But uh, hopefully your commute is over or you've already passed out, because I'm sure you put us on to go to sleep or... Lovely and very soothing voices, and uh, if not, then wake up. This is probably your stop on the train. And until now, uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.